1: Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us.
0: We're going to wrap up today with one word, and the word I want to share with you today is the simple word, reach. Recovery involves learning how to do some reaching. Reaching. Now you might say, what does that have to do with recovery? I'll explain it to you more in a moment. Let me talk about that word reach just briefly. The word reach is an action word. You can't sit still and reach at the same time. You have to do something. Reach is different. It's something that you do. You extend or stretch yourself toward something. You move in a direction. You embrace something. Uh, that's, what, that's what reaching is all about. No one reaches passively. So today I'm going to talk to you about some action things that you need to do, because reaching is an action. And I'm going to talk to you about what reaching has to do with recovery. How do those two words go together? What does it link us to in terms of relationship with God and relationship with the people of God? And if you're taking notes, and I would really encourage you to do so, here's our first point together is simply this. Pain produces inward thinking and isolated living. Let me explain, first of all, this word pain and what it has to do with recovery. Recovery is all about, generally all about dealing with some kind of pain in your life. You don't need to recover from things that are going well, right? If everything's going good, if your health's good, you don't need to recover. If your finances are good, you don't need to recover. And so anytime we talk about recovery, recovery is connected to pain. And so you recover from some kind of pain in your life. It might be spiritual pain that you're going through. It might be emotional pain or psychological pain or relational pain. But you know you need recovery when you experience, when you're experiencing some level of pain in your life. Now, anytime you experience, experience pain, pain does something to people. When you go through any kind of pain in your life pain causes certain things. Pain causes a reaction. If you hit your, your 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 finger with a hammer, I assure you, you're going to have some kind of reaction. Hopefully, it's a, it's a praise the Lord or something that's nice and Christian when you have that moment. But most of us are going to at least have an action that comes back. We'll draw back in pain. In fact, sometimes we talk about that phrase, the person drew back in pain. And so pain causes you to withdraw. It produces something in your life. I'll come back to this word in just a moment. Now, Every time you experience pain, you're going to turn. We all have a tendency to turn toward ourselves. We start thinking about ourselves. We start thinking about our pain. And we also tend to isolate. We tend to pull away from people. Think about the times you've been hurt emotionally. What you generally will do in your life as you want it, you pull back in some way. and Something generally happens with your relationships. For some of us, as soon as we get hurt, we got to go to our room, we close the door, we we, we shut our, our phone off, and we just want to be in our room by ourselves for some period of time because we want, to, we want some space in our life to deal with the pain that's going on. And so pain, emotional, spiritual, relational pain, always produces in us a thought about you start thinking and focusing on yourself. I assure you, going back to the illustration a moment ago, if you hit your finger with a hammer, that finger is going to be the only thing you're thinking about Your finger. You're going to be focused on that one thing, the pain that is isolated right here, and you're going to withdraw or pull back or isolate in some way to deal with that pain. And so it leads to this process in life. Now I want to share with you a story of a man who had this kind of experience in his life, and his name is Elijah. I want you to see how pain in Elijah's life produced inward thinking and isolated living. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, but before I go there, let me give you a little bit of the background. Background of the story. Elijah was one of the prophets of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel and the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north. And Elijah was a prophet to the kings during a period of time in Israel's history. And the time in which Elijah existed and ministered was the time of the reign of a man by the name of Ahab, and he had a wife by the name of Jezebel. Anybody remember Jezebel, right? Not a very good name, not a very good memory. And so it's Ahab and Jezebel, and Elijah is the prophet during this time. Ahab and Jezebel were very evil people. They did not worship Jehovah God. They worshiped uh, the, the gods of Baal and all kind of false gods. And so it was a horrible spiritual time in Israel. When you come to 1 Kings chapter 18 you'll discover that it's a period when Elijah calls forth a confrontation between the God of Israel, Jehovah God and the prophets of Baal. And there on chapter chapter 18 of 1 Kings, there's this great event that transpires at Mount Carmel where there's a confrontation with Elijah and the Jehovah one God and 450 prophets of Baal and God really shows himself off there in a mighty way. It's a great moment but it's been a stressful moment for Elijah. Let me ask you, how many of you would like to stand up to an army of 450 people by yourself. So it's been a stressful time, a difficult moment. He's had to use all the faith that he could muster up during that time. He's been in a confrontational situation. And then as soon as it's over, he receives news that Jezebel has made a decision to kill him. And Jezebel is sending a message to Elijah, you're as good as dead man, now that you've done this, I'm after you, we're going to chase you down, we're going to find you, we're going to destroy. You can read all of this in First Kings 18, going into chapter 19. And let's pick up in chapter 19 with verse number 3, and let's see how Elijah responded, would you agree with me that Elijah is in a painful situation? Shake your head if you agree, right? He's in a painful situation right now, and let's see what he does, and let's see if our theory that I laid out for you a moment ago, that pain causes you to move into inward thinking and isolated living, let's see if it works out in Elijah's life. So here's what it says in chapter, three, uh, chapter 19, verses 3 and 4. Elijah was afraid and what? So as soon as he hears that Jezebel's going to kill him, he experiences fear, and he begins to run for his life. So now you see he's thinking about one thing. He's thinking about, how am I going to survive? It's all inward right now. He's thinking about himself, and he's running. He's isolating himself from anybody else around. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, the Bible says he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey. Where? Into the wilderness. Would you agree with me that a wilderness is an isolated place, right? He came to a broom bush, sat down. The Bible says that he, uh, under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? I've had enough. Enough. God, I don't want to live anymore. He's not suicidal. He's actually asking God to shorten his life because of his pain. This is not in any way a, an endorsement of someone taking their own life. It's not a prayer like that at all. It's just simply him expressing his feelings at the moment. But here's what I want you to see. In the midst of his pain, notice what his pain did to him. His pain moved him into isolated, into inward thinking and isolated living. He withdrew. And the same is true for you and me. You and I need to grasp that to Today, If we're going to understand the rest of today's message, when you experience emotional pain or spiritual pain or relational pain, the first thing that all of us have a tendency to do is to pull into ourselves, to think about ourselves, to withdraw, to try to find some realm of protection for our lives. Let me take you now to the next point that I want to share with you today. The second thing I want you to see is withdrawal actually hinders your recovery. Withdrawal will hinder your capacity to get over things in your life, to get back to better. As I said, hurt causes you to pull away, pull away from your relationships, pull away from your connections, and pull away from community. This is one of the biggest and the most frequently used tricks of Satan. Listen to me. This is one of the things that Satan specializes in. First of all, he wants to get you hurt in some way, so life can be painful. Can I get an amen right there, right? Life can be really painful. And so you go through pain, and what the enemy wants to do is drive you into inward thinking and drive you into isolated living because as soon as you're inwardly thinking only and isolating yourself from people, he has an advantage over you. He can talk to you and distort things in your life and in your mind all day long because you have no other voices in your life. And suddenly you know, all you're listening to are the lies of Satan because he's pulled you into a world by yourself and he's lying to you. He's telling you all these kinds of things about your life just like he did for Elijah. You're, it's, it's all over with for you. You can't take anymore. You might as well give up. You might as well die. These are all lies of the adversary. And we see it in the animal world. In the animal world you see that predators have one thing that they try to do to their foe. They try to isolate them from the herd. And if a wolf can isolate a sheep from a flock of sheep, then suddenly that sheep has very little chance of making it. And so we see in the stories exactly what happened in Elijah's life. Now, what was the turning point to get Elijah back on track again? We're going to see here in just a moment, I'm going to read for you, going back to 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to see this turning point that happens in Elijah's life, but the turning point is all about God getting him back away from isolation and withdrawal back into community. Let's pick up now in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse number 13. This is going to be; These verses will be on the big screen for you, so just listen as I read them. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and I'll explain heard what in just a moment, what was that about. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So he's now gone into a cave. Do you see how isolated he is? He's in a cave, all right? Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And notice this. Where's Elijah? He's in the mouth of a cave. He's in an isolated place. When God confronts him here in this moment, that's what the the phrase means. When Elijah heard it, God's voice came to him in a still, small voice or gentle whisper. And so God comes to Elijah in the cave and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you in this inward place? Why have you isolated yourself from everyone? What are you doing here, Elijah? God, don't you understand? I'm the only guy that's left around here, and now they're trying to kill me too. Now notice what God says to him next. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back. Everybody say, go back. Why is there a go back there? Go back to what? Go back to some place where you're not alone. Go back to some place where there's community. Go back to some place where there can be some other positive voices in your life. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint. Notice this. He gives them an assignment. Anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as as a prophet. So he says, I want you to go back where you came from because your withdrawal is... what? It is hindering your recovery. You can't get back on track, Elijah, unless you go back. Your withdrawal is hindering your recovery. Let me see if I can explain this principle to you with a graph here. Actually, let me give you this verse first. This is the verse that kind of ties this into the graph I'm going to show you. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have, bowed, have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, here's what God's saying. Elijah, you're not the only one here. I'm going to bring you back out of all this. You're not the only guy hurting. There's 7,000 more that I want to take you back to because I want to get you back into community. Let me go to the graph now to show you what we're talking about here. Here's how withdrawal works in your life. Everybody looking at this? Look closely. When you have pain in your life, what does your pain cause you to do? Withdrawal. Now, withdrawal for a period of time can be healthy. If you've been hurt in some way and you're angry, you probably need to withdraw before you slap somebody or hurt somebody or do something you shouldn't do in that moment that you're going to regret. So you need to step back a little bit, right? So withdrawal isn't always bad, okay? When you get hurt emotionally, it's appropriate to take a little bit of time to get your act together, to pull back a little bit. If couples are fighting, one of the best things to do in a marriage is give yourself a little space for a few minutes, okay? Take some time off, get a little separation there so you can work. And so withdrawal is not always bad. There's a period of time when you're experiencing pain and withdrawal from pain that it can be healthy to get your act together. I'm going to bring a spot right there and let me explain what I mean by this movement toward this bell-shaped curve. If you've ever done research, you understand something about a bell-shaped curve. Now, here's the situation. It's okay for a period of time to do some withdrawal. If you go back and read the story of Elijah, he was on his own for a period of time, and God fed him and let him sleep and do some things that helped him to get back again. But there came a moment when God said, enough is enough. You need to get back to your community again. But there's a healthy period of time. I don't know. I can't give you a time frame in terms of when you've been hurt, how long is healthy. For some people, it might take you an hour to sort of get back on track. Somebody, it's a day. For some people, it might be a couple of days to kind of get back on track. Some of you are working on a couple of decades now to try to get back together with things. But there's a point of time where it's healthy to have some withdrawal. But there also comes a point when that withdrawal, if you don't change at that point and get back in relationship with God, relationship with people, that withdrawal, instead of it being healthy for you, leading you to a place of health, there's a moment when it starts going downward on you and actually hinders your recovery. And so there's this point that you get to in life that if you get stuck here, you're going to go this way, but if you handle it the right way and do what Elijah did, he gets back in community, you're going to get back, move forward to a place of health and get back to, what's the word again? Better. But this becomes a choice point for you. And there's some of you here today that you've had some hurts and pains in your life. Some of you watching online today, you've had some hurt and pain in your life, and it's been challenging, it's been difficult, it's been hard, and you found yourself in withdrawal. In fact, this entire past year, most of us have been in some level of withdrawal. And you notice that over a period of time that that withdrawal is not healthy for you. It's not been healthy for us emotionally to be separated from people. We understand why and we get it. We understand the, the virus and how we've had to deal with it. It's certainly appropriate that we've had to do what we've had to do. But there's a moment when you say, I need to get back with some people. I need some connection points in my life for me to get healthy again. And that's why we need to turn toward this health again and move in this direction. But Elijah made that choice to go back to better. He had found himself in a lot of pain. He spent some time in this season, but there was a moment when God said, there's enough. There's 7,000 back where you came from that still have not bowed their knees to Baal. You need to get back with those folks because they're going through what you're going through. You're not the only one that needs to have a pity party. Everybody Everybody is going through their own set of challenges, and you need to be a part of that community once again. So I want you to see as well that, hinder, that an extended period of withdrawal actually hinders your recovery instead of healing and helping your recovery. Here's my third point today. Right relationships are the very things that help to heal us. Now I'm going to emphasize a couple of words here, help. Because you and I need help if we're going to recover, right? And I want to emphasize the word right, connected to the word relationships. When you're at that moment, I've gone through pain, I need some recovery in my life, and I'm all kind of inwardly thinking and focused and isolated somewhat in the way that I'm thinking and living. And I realize that's going to hinder me toward my recovery. What's going to be... What do I need at that turning point to move forward and positive in my, positively in my life? You need... One of the things you need are... Say it with me. Right? Relationships. The very thing that God said to Elijah... God said, Elijah, go back where you came from. I want you to connect with those 7,000 again, and I want you to also anoint three different people, the last one being Elisha, who's going to be your successor. You need a relationship with him. You need the right relationships in your life. God told him exactly who to reach out to. I'm glad that God didn't tell him to go back and connect with Jezebel, aren't you? He didn't tell him to go back and connect with someone that was going to be destructive in his life. He told him to go back and connect with people that were going to be constructive in his life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because the wrong people in your life, the wrong relationships will actually deter and hinder your, your healing. But the right relationships can facilitate your healing. You need the right people in your life. There's a story in the New Testament I want to draw your attention to. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18. Actually, it's not there. It's going to be on the screen. Luke chapter 8. I'll take this one back, and we'll get to that one in just a moment. It's going to be on Luke chapter 8, verse 43, and it'll be on the screen as I read it for you. Listen as I read. A woman in the crowd, this is Jesus ministering to a group of people. A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Now notice that. You can't touch somebody unless you reach. There's a reach moment, okay? And she's reaching out in relationship. Are you with me? So she's now reaching out. She's taking a risk. She's now come through the crowd and she reaches out. She extends herself. She's connecting with someone. In this case, it's Jesus. She's reaching out to touch him. She's reaching out to connect. And so she reaches out and touches, the Bible says, the fringe. Of his robe. Now, most most theologians and most Bible scholars would emphasize the fact that that more than likely she had actually crawled through the crowd, and in crawling through the crowd, therefore, she had access to the fringe, the tassels on the end of Jesus' robe. So she's in a low place. This is a hurting lady. This is someone that is in desperate need of recovery. She's also a lady who's been in isolation for 12 years. I'll get to that in just a moment. So she comes through the crowd, she's crawling, and she reaches out. touches the fringe of Jesus' robe in that moment. And then notice what happens, verse 45. Who touched me, Jesus asked? Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. So there was a touch of faith that happened. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And notice what happens next. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's what I want you to see. Here's a lady, as I mentioned a moment ago, who is in a terrible set of circumstances. For 12 years, she's been bleeding. And because of her hemorrhaging for 12 years by the community, she had been ostracized. She was considered unclean. She had had no friends and no community for 12 years. I mean, you think 2020 was hard. Add 11 more years to that. So for 12 years, she had been all by herself. She had been living in her inward pain, and she had been living in isolation. She had gone to every doctor she knew, trying to find some, some kind of help. One of the other gospels says that she would spent all she had trying to find a cure. And so it had been a desperate 12 years that she would experienced. That day, she works her way through the crowd and touches the fr- fringe of Jesus' garment, her, His robe, and there in that moment, she was healed. Now, why didn't Jesus just say, hey, God bless you, go ahead head. No, Jesus stopped everything in that moment and said, who touched me? Now can you imagine a person who's been in isolation for 12 years, has been considered unclean for 12 years suddenly being called out, saying, now she's got to confess up that she was the one that touched him. She was the one. And suddenly this lady that had been all alone is going to be the center of attention. The entire spotlight's going to come on her for this moment in history. And there she is standing having spent 12 years of feeling like she was a nobody, having spent 12 years of living in her own pain, having spent 12 years living in her own wilderness, and Jesus had to call her out. In that moment, Jesus called her out for a very specific reason. I believe that Jesus called her out because she needed to reconnect with community and community needed to reconnect with her. Everybody needed to know the lady that was unclean is now clean. The lady that was sick is now healed. And suddenly what Jesus was doing is he was bringing her not just a healing for herself that she could go back in her own little life and live it, but she was experiencing restoration and community. So it's one thing to know that Jesus loves you and that you get healed from Jesus. It's another thing to be surrounded with some healthy people in your life as well to connect with community, to know that you're surrounded by people who are now bringing you into the fold and allowing you to be a part of their world as well. What I want you to see is that right relationships are the thing that help heal us, but they have to be right relationships.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.